One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be tough when it's cooked right. Co-founder of Relish Gourmet Burgers serves up well-done recipes for startup success. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Baxter is my guest today. He's the co-founder and president of the Yukon Brewing Company based in Whitehorse. Bob is a successful entrepreneur who has built a brand out of brewing beer and distilling spirits. He has recently expanded his northern distillery to incorporate spirits into its own product line now that it is legal to operate a distillery in the territory. We're going to talk a bit about that. Today also we'll chat with Bob about life as an entrepreneur in Whitehorse and about the ups and downs of running a business up north. He's going to walk us through a day in his life, so get ready for that, Bob. And we're going to discuss the implications, as they say, about the provincial and territorial liquor laws have had on his business. We will discuss his motivation, how he brings in revenue, and what his vision is for the future of entrepreneurship up in Canada's Great North. Bob, it's just so awesome to have you on the call. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rivers. Well, look, let's start. Let's dive right into it. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, you as an entrepreneur. Have you always been an entrepreneur? And uh, and as you kind of answer that question, segue it into your personal journey that led you to became uh, to become the co-founder of, of the Yukon Brewing Company. Uh, thanks for that. I, I I guess I probably have always had the heart of an entrepreneur. I came out of uh, mechanical engineering um, in the late seventies. And uh, worked for other people for a very short period of time um, and then found my way up to the Yukon. Um, I was looking to do something maybe a little different with my life, perhaps some uh, overseas CETA work or something. And when the opportunity to come up here uh, to interview for a job came up, I thought, you know, that's pretty exotic right there. I'll I'll take the interview and I'll see what it looks like and go from there. So I ended up taking a job with the government to Yukon, um, but it was a contract position for a couple of years. So 
uh, in the early 80s, I opened up a consulting engineering company. Um, now, it was probably pretty brash. I was 25 at the time, and uh, as most 25-year-olds had no real idea which end was up, but I thought, heck, I can do this. Yeah, I of course you can. Here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's go for that. So I did that from um, the early 80s until about the mid-90s, and then realized that I just can't do this forever. What else is there? Um, and uh, so I uh, ventured from that engineering company into the brewery. Into the brewery. Now, it wasn't that simple. What, what, what was the connection there? Was you, were you sitting around with, with your co-founder and he said, holy crap, you know, with my mechanical engineering background and your ability to drink beer, we're going to go make this happen? Uh, what uh, yeah, was this, I, I, I guess, bridge? Yeah, there was, I guess, two connections. One, I was an engineer, so I guess there's a little bit of history in beer right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing, um, I actually had started to do some research work into maybe, you know, whether or not maybe there was a business um, for a brewery in the late 90s. That was kind of before the craft beer thing really got rolling in Canada anyways, um, and ended up on a canoe trip uh, on a river called the Jennings River. And campfire talk one night uh <laughs> my eventual partner and i sat around and talked beer and talked about his interest he was a chem- or is a chemical engineer by training oh, and, nice. and of course the mechanical so we kind of had a lot of the technical things covered and and with alan he had the chemistry covered um and he had a big interest in wine and uh kind of realized that he can't stay in the yukon or it'd be a big challenge to stay in the yukon and pursue his passion for wine um grapes don't grow real well here and um you would have to leave the territory maybe for the okanagan or or back to the niagara area or something like that so uh, about two months later the phone rang and uh, it was alan and he said uh, have you ever thought about having a partner and um <laughs> i said well you know i'm i'm making such slow progress on this that that's probably exactly what i need let's sit down uh, of course over a beer and chat about it very cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. And and what's kind of interesting about that story is he from uh, Whitehorse? Your business uh, partner? No, he's uh, he's from Hanover, Ontario. So we're two wow. expat Ontario guys who uh, I guess wanted to get away from the rat race and uh, find a corner of the world where um, the wilderness and the outdoors was a little bit more central to uh, and uh, connected with our passions anyway. Yeah, well, there's a great, uh, talk about passion, there is a great passion and love affair that people have with the Whitehorse, but, uh, you know, you could have gone anywhere at that point in time uh, because you had the makings of a partnership. Why did you choose? Why did you choose to stay in Whitehorse uh, as, and make it your home for your brewery? Well, um, the simple answer was it was home. Uh, mm-hmm. I had lived in the Yukon by then for 15 years, and, uh, and Alan had been around for about 10, and and uh, while it doesn't really make sense, I mean, the Yukon has a population that's so small and is so far from everything else, but uh, we thought, you know what, we can, uh, our research showed that if we exported enough volume, we could make a go of it here. And um, I, I know that my partner, my home partner and I had a conversation. Um, it, w- it was going to take a lot of money to get this thing rolling and it mm. was going to take some time before we were selling enough to be able to uh, cut our losses and, and actually perhaps turn a profit eventually. Um, and we knew that it wasn't going to be a two or three year thing and then go. Um, so we had the conversation, do we want to live in Whitehorse for another 10 or 15 years? Cause it'll probably be that length of time before we get out from under this. Um, and that was a pretty quick conversation. We both love it here. We thought it was a great place to raise kids and we said, yep, let's do this. 
Yeah, that's very cool. You know, I, I always get asked, uh, not always, but sometimes get asked, uh, uh, you know, why do I live in New Brunswick? And the answer is real simple to me, because I want to. And that's Absolutely. really what your, your answer is right there, because I wanted to and I could. So uh, that's really awesome. And I, I've had actually, uh, I was having a conversation with the uh, startup uh, Whitehorse uh, community leader uh, a little while back. And one of the things that, that really impressed me about the, that conversation was how supportive the community is. And can you talk a little bit about how how your communities come together, not necessarily just from supporting your product uh, products, but also in you know, did you have mentors there that you were able to reach out to, and and what about that? What about raising money to kickstart your business? Yeah, raising money was an interesting thing because, uh, as I said, it was going to take a fair amount of dollars to uh, get a building put up that could house a brewery and then fill it with equipment and. Um, and design packaging and stock the shelves of empty packaging to get rolling and, and all that jazz. So uh, we uh, started off by um, both Alan and I uh, taking out a second mortgage on our houses. So that, that put a little money in the pot. Um, we had a wee bit of government uh, loan money, uh, probably about 20% of what we needed. Um, the rest of it came from selling shares to the community. Um, and that actually worked out really well um, because it really got me introduced. People who were interested in buying shares and what we were doing were people who had a lot to contribute um, uh, from a mentor type of role. Um, nothing formal, but it's amazing as you're running around with a package showing people that you think perhaps they'd be interested in this. Um, if you keep your ears open at the time, you're going to get a lot of good advice that wasn't passed out as good advice or or wasn't couched that way, but uh, sure contained a lot of nuggets. How simple is that? But so many times people don't uh, do it. Uh, awesome stuff. And if can you tell me uh, percentage wise of your company that you that gave up is the wrong wrong words. Uh, I guess sold shares in to get started for people that are on this call listening to this podcast. They say, okay, yeah, maybe the community can help me out, and uh, because uh, of experiences like uh, like you've had. Well, when we started, we sold about uh, 20% of the uh, equity in the company uh, through share sales. Um, And then uh, we built the brewery and we started, uh, as I say, we started digging a hole. Uh, We started uh, spending more than we made. And and, uh, fortunately, that we were able to taper uh, until we were sitting in the bottom of our hole looking up going, well, now how the hell do we get out of this hole? Um, And so we sold some more shares again and that uh, not too much more, but another 5%. um, That allowed us to have a couple of nickels to rub together to help us put dirt back in the hole and eventually get back up to ground level and, and come out. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you, you know, it's uh, it, it's the proverbial uh, story of the entrepreneur who kept who kept forging forward, kept forging forward. And congratulations on that. And you've expanded your business to BC, Alberta, and Quebec. And uh, and your products are also available in Germany. That's so cool. Congratulations on that. Um, what's uh, what have been some of the biggest hurdles that you had to face uh, in your expansion? And uh, maybe talk about some of the wins also along the way. Uh, yeah, we have product. Uh, the The list is a little incomplete. Uh, BC, Alberta, we're also in the Northwest Territories. Um, the last two years, we've sent some beer to Japan as well. So cool. um, in the big picture, they're small amounts, but they're, you know, they're the kind of fun thing to do yeah, to yeah. Um, 
you know, keep you a little bit engaged in the, the rigors of the day-to-day business. Um, definitely, um, beer doesn't like to travel. And really, when you look at the, um, the history of beer, certainly in Europe, um, every little town in Germany would have its own brewery and they would sell beer, you know, for 20 kilometers, you know, around the town. Um, because it likes to be fresh, um, it's carbonated, so it doesn't like to travel and and, act, and get agitated while it's moving. It has a shelf life, so it doesn't like to sit around for very long. Um, none of that really is uh, is great for for uh, sending it far away. So that was certainly one of the hurdles that we had: is that we are two thousand kilometers from the closest place that has you know any number of people, and we knew we were going to have to send it uh, some distance. So. Um, that was certainly a challenge, um, and sending it into BC, sending it into Alberta. Uh, originally, we sent beer into Alaska as well. We don't uh, sell there anymore, but we did for a while. Everywhere has their own liquor act, their own rules, their own way the distribution system works, the own their own way the retail system works. Uh, the things that you're allowed to do because it's an alcohol product, and the things that you're not allowed to do as an alcohol product. And everybody's different. Uh, so it sure took us an awfully long time to learn. Uh, and quite, quite realistically, 19 years later, we're still trying to figure out how things work in BC. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I know uh, there's a, you've been quoted as saying the Liquor Act is very, very old. It needs to be updated like many pieces of legislation. It's about the political will to get things changed. And, and I, it is so true with that. I've got a buddy of mine that uh, here in New Brunswick that's been trying to get going with his cider company. I mean, it's not, this isn't gun control here that's cider and the things he's just had to do and just recently it took him about three years to ultimately be able to get to where he wanted to to be so you know talk about those implications that provincial and territorial liquor laws have had on your your your, your brewing company the yukon brewing company and i know you just kind of touched on it originally but how has how have that has that legislation made an impact in uh, in the way you've had to do business uh, well, that's a multifaceted answer. The the <laughs> closest thing is here in the Yukon, and um, over our time, we've developed a great relationship with uh, the Yukon Liquor Corporation because every province has their own uh, provincially mandated uh, liquor corporation or liquor board, depending on how it's worded. Um, when we started 19 years ago, there had never been a brewery in the Yukon uh, since the Gold Rush days, which was before a liquor corporation. So, uh, that building down the road had one purpose and that was to regulate, 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 make sure, you know, underage drinking and overcrowded and open to, you know, all the things that go with, with alcohol. Um, they really had no idea how to deal with a fish that was called a manufacturer. Um, so we really had a lot of, um, of, uh, butting of heads, I would say at the yeah, beginning, because they yeah. just didn't really know how to deal with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that changed over time, and uh, you know, in typical government fashion, people changed jobs and retired and moved around, and and uh, we became it normalized us. People who are moving into new positions in the liquor corp knew who we were, and um, and allowed us to develop a relationship with them, um, and so we we're able to make changes. Uh, certainly, the act has been updated a couple of times in our 19 years that we've been around, um, and. One of the most interesting examples of that was when we wanted to get into distilling, mm. uh, which was in 2009. We went to the government and said, you know, 
the act, the liquor act does not permit distilling um, any chance of changing the word brewing, which is what allowed us to make beer to perhaps producing or manufacturing. And they said, well, that makes sense, except that the house is sitting and you can't introduce new legislation until after the first week that a house is sitting. Um, but next time we sit, we'll do that. And we thought, yeah, right. Um, but sure as heck, the next time uh, the House adjourned and then reconvened, there was a change to the Liquor Act um, that they followed through on. So that's the kind of uh, cooperative relationship we've been able to develop over time. So we went from butting of heads to working together, um, which um, certainly in a in a regulated business like alcohol uh, has been a huge asset for us. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lesson on knowing who you have to get into bed with, and you better figure out what their needs are, as well as understanding what your needs are, so you can have a, a, a nice cohabitation going on. And and government, uh, true to true to form, are one of the one of the most uh, uh, well non entrepreneurial organizations. So uh, so it takes time, but I think there's a lot of willingness to make it happen if you can uh, you can work with them in a in a, in a in a with a vision that's mutually uh, mutually uh, beneficial so you've obviously been able to do that and have you taken the same approach to the other other provinces that you've uh, connected into uh not really because no? here in the Yukon you hit the nail on the head that um you know when you're dealing with someone in the government it's it's easy to make the assumption that they haven't got a clue and they don't understand you but the reality is they probably have a point to make they have a role to play, and there's probably common ground that you can find. So we've always been able to find that um, because we were theirs and they were ours. But when we're selling in Alberta or BC or Northwest Territories, it's quite different because we're not theirs. They really don't care about us, um, mm. to, to put it quite bluntly. They have breweries of their own in their own province, um, so we don't get that uh, same kind of response from them. Um, and to give you an example of, uh, of how provincial laws can change. Um, back in October at 4.30 in the afternoon, we got an email from the Alberta government saying that effective tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, there's going to be a new markup added on to beer that's not made in BC, Alberta, or Saskatchewan um, that drove our price up about 20% overnight. Wow. Um, wow. And we looked at that, and of course, you know, your first thing is panic and anger and, you know, all the other emotions that come yeah. with it. But yeah. at the end of the day, we said, you know, yeah, it's Alberta, it's our it's our neighboring province, but if you're going to send products to somewhere else, some foreign land, even if it's only a foreign land like another province, they have their own laws, and they do things their own way, and they're going to change them, sometimes to your benefit, sometimes not, and you better be ready to just roll with that. Mm. Mm, real good point. So on that note, um, obviously expansion is part of your uh, is part of your your plan. Can you give us a vision as to what your future is in terms of expansion? Well, you know, part of the reason I mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, in 2009 we bought a still, and and really the history to that, we'd been around about 10 years and and had finally filled the hole back in, and, and <laughs> thought that perhaps we would uh, uh, still be here a year or two from from that point. So we thought, well, what else can we do? Um, and it dawned on us, um, and again, it was mainly my partner, of course, the chemical engineer, thinking chemistry. Yeah. Um, thinking, you know what, we know how to create alcohol through fermentation. If we bought a still, we could make spirits because uh, that's step two. Once you've created the alcohol, uh, you use a still to separate the water from the alcohol and uh, recapture the alcohol and then make something different with it. Um, so we started in 2009 making 
mainly making whiskey. And that doesn't make any sense because in Canada, uh, whiskey has to be in the barrel three years to be whiskey. So we knew that we were going to be making something that we wouldn't be able to sell for three years. But we thought, you know what? Um, Beer pays the bills. We can afford to make that. Uh, Whiskey is the kind of product that is best if it's full of flavor. Craft beer is the best if it's full of flavor. It's kind of what we make already, but different. Uh, So let's take what we know and run with that. Um, well, in 2012, when the whiskey became legal, we started tasting it, thinking, great, now we can start selling it. And the first thing we looked at each other and went, this isn't ready. Uh, let's leave it for another year. Uh, so next year looked, next year looked. Uh, it actually took us seven years. It was seven about 10 years. days ago that we released our first Yukon single malt whiskey. Um, and that was great because we uh, we released about 800 bottles and sold out strictly from our store in six hours. <laughs> well, think about the pent-up demand that you created. Absolutely. And, well, people talked about it for seven years. Yeah. Uh, so they finally got to act on it. So, yeah, you talk about pent-up demand for sure. Oh, that's uh, great. But the big thing there is that um, now that we're making this product, it has a much higher value than beer. Uh, costs the same amount to ship a pallet somewhere. So... Um, and it doesn't have a shelf life and it's not carbonated and it won't freeze and all those things that make beer a challenge to send far away. Right. Uh, so I'm, we've had the product out for 10 days and I've already started planning on, geez, we could go to whiskey shows in uh, Los Angeles or New York or, nice. or Germany or Japan, anywhere that, you know, they think the Yukon might be kind of a cool source for whiskey Yes. Uh, because we can afford to send it there. So, um, the vision for the future of the company is to, you know, let the beer continue to grow organically, but uh, let's start having some more fun with these spirits now that they're there. So, um, uh, in I, I I own a or I'm part owner of a of a, of a gourmet burger operation. We have some out west and some in the east, and you know around us we have we think they're the best uh, burgers in in the planet. But we also wrap around it a very a very cool marketing machine. Um, do you find that the 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 name Yukon Brewing Company really affords you that luxury of that mystique, of that roughness, if you want to call it, that, the, that that's really going to help your marketing efforts with your, uh, with your whiskey? Well, we certainly hope so. And, and we're not, I think it's always helped us with the beer. Um, it's kind of a cool place to come from. And there's certainly, uh, you know, an image of the wild outdoors, and purity and unspoiled, which um, you want to go with beer. Um, and with the whiskey, it's hard to know. There's certainly, we've, um, we spent a year um, designing the look of the, the bottle shape itself and then the look of how we're decorating the bottle. Uh, who'd have thought it could take that long to decorate a bottle? But <laughs> we're pretty finicky about, we want, about what we wanted. We think we have a really nice combination of sort of that old time feel with a really modern look. Um, and then, of course, the liquid that's in the bottle is just magic. Yeah, that's very cool. I love it. I love it how you describe magic. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Bob, walk us through a typical day at work as an entrepreneur in Whitehorse, if there's any difference, because it's Whitehorse or not. Let's say, uh, you know, what's your typical day look like? Uh, well, certainly uh, when we started, a typical day was you did everything from brewing the beer to putting it in the bottle to, you know, sticking labels on them and so on and so on. But it's really morphed over time to, uh, for me, I think, um, trying to have the day-to-day operations of the company be done by somebody else. Um, I think the unfortunate reality is I'm not going to live forever and Al's mm. not going to live forever and we have to have this place run without us. Um, and 
what's kind of fun for me is it's allowed my job to morph into the kind of the face of the company. So I end up spending a lot of time, um, well, doing interviews like this, mm-hmm. attending events around the Yukon, um, events outside the Yukon. Um, and, uh, it, it, the job really has become, um, trying to portray the company in the light that we'd like it to be portrayed in. Very cool. So, um, how, uh, how have you incorporated, I mean, we, you've, we've talked about global expansion and, or expansion anyway, tell me how you work within your community. How does your brand interact with the other, with the other businesses or the community of Whitehorse? And my understanding, Whitehorse is like a population, of like 25,000 people. Is that, is that correct? That's probably pretty close. Yeah. Uh, the Yukon itself is around 37,000. So right. yeah, I would say somewhere in that mid twenties, um, we're tiny and, um, really, it, you know, there's some, some things that we've managed to accomplish here that are kind of astonishing for a lot of people. Uh, for example, with draft beer, uh, we outsell all of our other competitors, including, uh, the big guys in Canada combined. Um, so we have about a 70% market share of draft beer and you know, that's the kind of support um, we've gotten locally. And uh, without that support, I don't know that we'd be here um, because you're only the home team at home. Um, we've learned that. And so we try to be the best home team we can be. Uh, but the flip side of that is we're not the home team anywhere else. So when we sell our beer in Alberta or BC or, or Northwest Territories, um, we're not the home team anymore. And uh, we can't play that card. And uh, somebody else is playing that card for us. We certainly say, um, that if somebody or anybody who's here trying to sell beer, they're in our backyard and that doesn't mean they can't, but it doesn't mean they won't get um, our best (laughs) efforts to uh, beat them up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. In the same way that we go somewhere else and people try to beat us up. It's just the way it works. Um, But uh, the local support that we've had has been phenomenal. Um, I would challenge you to find a licensee in the Yukon who does not have our beer um, either on tap or in bottles or in cans or all of the above. Mm. I love how you call it that home team. We've experienced that ourselves. And uh, I've, I've from Fredericton is where the burger business was born. And I, I've said that many times. I said, they're, they're welcome, but good luck when you get here, because it's going to be a difficult challenge for you. But the, when you're the new kid on the block, it's much different. So when you go to Alberta, how do you adjust your, your strategy to whether it's Alberta or, or Ontario, Ontario, wherever, oh, sorry, Quebec, wherever else you're going, how do you adjust your strategy when you get there that uh, that allows you ultimately to create the sales that you want to you want to be making because you don't have that hometown advantage anymore yeah it's a tough one um we do have uh for example a sales guy in edmonton and one in calgary and they've um they've both been trained to um be while our beer is not from home you are from there. So, uh, for example, we've done sponsorships of uh, street hockey tournaments in Edmonton, for example. Well, our guy in Edmonton is the first one on site with a snow shovel to clear the rink mm. um, because um, just having beer there, I mean, they, they could they could pick any beer. In fact, they could pick beers that aren't from 2,000 kilometers away but are from down the street. Uh, but our guy, Dave, in Edmonton, everybody knows. In fact, they call him Yukon Dave. He's been with <laughs> us for a while. And, uh, uh, he's the first guy loading stuff in. He's the first guy loading stuff out. If uh, if light bulbs needs changing, there's Dave grabbing a ladder to drag it out. So, Very cool. Um, 
we can't outspend the big guys. There's no way. We can't even outspend little guys who are right down the road, uh, but we can outwork them. So um, we pick our battles and we try to outwork them. Very cool. Tell us about the entrepreneurship community in the Yukon. I mean, across our, our country, you know, there's great activity happening in uh, we 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 uh, we refer to as the ecosystem, the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Can you give us a sense as to where that's where that is in your mind? I mean, I'm sure you must have seen quite significant differences in in I guess the attitude towards uh, or the, at least the understanding of entrepreneurship or startups. Uh, in the 19 years you've been you've been in business uh it goes back to earlier than that like i said it was the early 80s when i'm 25 years old hanging right. a shingle as a consulting engineer um you can do that in the yukon the population is small um if you see a gap people will um, give you a chance to fill it uh, they won't accept crap from you uh, you better be good at what you're doing but if you're good welcome yeah. So uh, it's a great spot to do that. Um, my guess is that somewhere like Fredericton would be real similar in that way too. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, I heard about a, a, a mall in your town, in your city that uh, was, you had to be a, a startup to get into it or you had to do something very creative. Is, is, uh, is that close to where your, your, uh, your operation is? Uh, there's a few of those guys yeah. around. Some of them are uh, sort of a hands-on uh, construct place and some of them are more of an incubator uh computer uh type of place but um they're springing up like crazy and (laughs) we love them Um, as a matter of fact the co-space the sort of the computer oriented one that just opened up the first thing we did was sit down with them and say you know you guys are going to need some revenues um so i'll tell you what we'll do we'll give you all the beer that you could that you can use for the first six months and wow you guys sell it, you do whatever you want with it, use it to make revenue. After six months, we'll sit down, see how it works, um, see, you know, did, did that function for you? Where can we go from here? Um, but we know from our experience that you got to get over that, you know, you got to get some revenues rolling. And if if uh, having beer o'clock a Friday afternoon allows you to sell bottles of beer that we're given to you, um, and that goes into the till and helps you stay open the next month, then... Uh, um, you know, great for them to be able to do that. So, well, great for uh, we you love to support all these them. places that open up. Um, yeah. We look at those guys as our customers. Um, the Yukon itself has, if it's not the most university educated people in uh, Canada, it's got to be real close. Uh, it's a real smart place. It's a real young place. And um, we know that people who can bring ideas to fruition uh, and create a life here are probably our customers doing it. So we love them. Yeah. Very cool. And it's not the energy alone is it's cool to hang out with the, with, with those type of people also. So good stuff. So you talked just a second ago about, uh, you know, getting cash going very quickly, doing what you need to do, uh, being resourceful to get cash in the, in the, uh, in the till as, uh, as, as obviously a lesson that you've learned from your startup days and you were digging your hole and it was going down. Um, can you share with us two other uh, lessons that you would say to these guys uh, starting up besides just let's help you get some revenue in? Well, it kind of relates to it. But uh, when we looked at our business plan, which of course we had drawn out a five-year plan, um, it vaguely resembled reality. Um, <laughs> so so my number one thing whenever anybody asks me is flexibility. Yes, um, You're going to have to roll with some punches. You're going to have things that come up and 
whack you on the side of the head that you never expected. But there's also going to be doors that open for you. You better see them opening and you better rush through them. Um, Otherwise, you won't be here in the future. So certainly flexibility. And and then I guess maybe the flip side of that is stubbornness. Um, There were times where Al and I would look at each other and go, I don't think we're going to make it. And the first thing one of us would say is, well, you know, would, would Bill Gates let this get him down? You know, <laughs> let's be stubborn. We're going to make this. Let's find a way. Let's look for that open door. Let's look for the flexibility that we're not seeing. It's there. We're just not seeing it. Um, so yeah. you better be nimble on your feet um, because unless you have a real bad idea, um, which you could, uh, you may have a bad idea and it'll never fly. But if you've got a good idea, um, it'll work. You just got to figure out the way. I, I've always, uh, you know, I always love the, the the bankers who say, well, have you got a business plan? And, you know, my, my natural reaction is, what do you want me to put in it? Because yeah. it's like, it's not going to be what I said it's going to be. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in my uh, 18th year being an entrepreneur. I know the way that uh, it's never been that the way I thought it was going to be. And I just laugh. So I love that flexibility piece. It's bang on just because you write it down. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. So, and, and most likely will not happen. So, uh, so good for you. Um, you know, we talked about uh, how government has, uh, has initially gotten in your way and uh, still in, in outside of your neighborhood uh, continues to cause you challenges. And, and so uh, all from the, uh, the liquor laws and so on, but um Putting the liquor law challenge aside, um, what kind of calls of action would you say to that the Yukon government? Let's let's, fix, let's stick to that. Can be doing to uh, help businesses be more successful in uh, in in uh, in that part of the world. You know, I think uh, it comes down to a personal level. Um, it's we've got kind of a saying around our place: the easy answer is always no. So don't go for the easy answer. Find Find a way to say yes. And I think uh, for governments, um, you know, and I'm generalizing a little bit, but um, the easy answer for them is is no, because if they say yes, you know, their job just got a little bit harder. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to belittle government people. Some of them love that and some of them don't. But my advice, if um, if a government leader or government, you know, the leaders of departments um, want to inspire a culture in their workers, that culture would be find a way to say yes. Don't say yes to the stupid ideas because um, there are some out there. There's some bad ones. Um, but when you see a good idea and, and you don't see how it can fit, um, see if you can wiggle it around and make it fit. Um, because when we find folks who do that in the government, they're um, they're hugely valuable and hugely appreciated. Yeah, and I think there's more and more people in government that are uh, that are, are one getting into government uh, with that mindset, but two others within it that are awakening to uh, to having to to be more entrepreneurial thinking, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurial thinking. So, so good reinforcement to that. It's, it's rather than rather than to know, it's uh, well, let's see where this goes when, and uh, and see if we can make it happen. Bob, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on our show today, and uh, you know I want to have you offer some some lasting words of advice or something that you're you're maybe thinking of that oh my god I didn't get to talk about that yet I really really want to talk about that uh, or uh, just uh, comments that you think it's a national audience and uh, and would love to hear your final words of uh, advice or whatever. 
Um, geez, I wish I had that uh, magic bullet that I could throw out there. But certainly for us, what really worked well, um, and maybe it's because it started around a campfire where so many babies are conceived in the Yukon. Um, <laughs> the partnership that I formed with Al, we've been together now for 19 years. Um, it's been so great. Um, there have been times where problems come up that you know, we just sit down together and say, this looks insurmountable, but let's parse it out into pieces. And then when the pieces are small, they can be attacked and let's attack them one at a time and let's prioritize them and let's work together on this. And uh, the partnership that I've had has been fantastic. Um, I realized that for as many times as that's been said, there's probably 10 times where someone said the my partner was the death knell um, <laughs> and never go there. But uh, certainly for us, finding the right person to work with or or maybe it's a bigger group um you can sure have one plus one plus one be five if uh it's the right ones do you think that your partnership would have been as successful if both of you were mechanical engineers (laughs) i don't know that's a really good question i know that uh way back in the day we went to a school in chicago uh we call it beer school um when we were trying to uh, expand our knowledge base and we'd have classes that were in the chemistry of beer and I would come out with three lines written and Al would come out with pages. And then we go to a, 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 a class that was to do with the mechanics of making beer and I'd come out with pages and drawings and circles and arrows and Al would come out with a blank piece of paper. So yeah, there probably was some uh, synergy going on there. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. It's uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, you, you, you don't surround yourself with people that are from a talent perspective, just like you, particularly in the beginning, because it'll just because you'll just end up fighting way too much. You got to subscribe to the other person's talent and let them do what they need, what they do to make it all work. So, uh, well, look, Bob, this has been so fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Baxter, he's the co-founder and president of the Yukon Brewing Company. It's based in Whitehorse, on the political side of entrepreneurship in the north. That is one of the things we've been talking about today. Bob, thank you so much for for your time today. Hey, no problem, Rivers. I really appreciate the interest and uh, the insightful questions. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. And this is a sad statement, and I want to know how you're going to fix it. When it comes to international graduate students, we weren't attracting the best and brightest. So that means we are now, or we should be. 
Well, we're working on it, Rivers. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, cool. I'll give you a little context there. I think, you know, in a sense, we are, we certainly do attract some great students to Canada, but we don't attract nearly enough. Right. Uh, we, and, that, and by that, I mean, we don't attract enough um, based on sort of uh, our, our capacity, based on the quality of our institutions. We also don't really attract enough to build the future of Canada, right? I mean, these international students coming in um, really represent our future entrepreneurs, our future leaders. Um, you know, they add to what we already have here in terms of talent and so on, because ultimately these days, talent really is global, increasingly global. Mm. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, basically the problem we've got right now in Canada is is, is largely uh, just the fact that we're so close to the United States. They cast a huge shadow for international students looking to go abroad, and rightly so. I mean, Harvard, Princeton, Stanford, these are great universities. Um, but we're just, we're not really registering. If you're, if you're like a top student in India or you're a top student in China, you're a top student in Brazil, uh, you know, you feel, you feel good about Canada, but we don't necessarily register when you're thinking, where are my opportunities? Mm. So what we're really trying to do is reach out to these students, really these, these really the best and the brightest, uh, bring them to Canada, show them what we've got. And invariably they get super turned on to what's going on here in Canada. Our universities are top notch. Uh, the quality of life is excellent. The weather in Ottawa is kind of the pits today. So it's a little hit and miss <laughs> when it comes to that. But, um, you know, I think we do a good job of bringing them once they're here. We just have to get on the radar. 